Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Abby. And also another way to get connected is through Discover Fellowship. And so that's our membership. That's how you become a member here at Fellowship. But also you, it's how you can just learn about our church. And so you can actually take it and not become a member. And so I encourage you, if you're interested in the church, that's kind of oftentimes the next step is show up for Discover Fellowship and it starts September 12th. Um, there'll be three large group sessions and, and six small group sessions. It's a lot of fun. Gives you the chance to ask all the questions you want about this church and then decide, is this the church for you? Like I said, I am on staff with our student ministry, and the heart of our ministry is that students would behold Jesus, belong together, and become disciples. And we see that happen in a number of ways. One of the key ways that we do that, though, is by worshiping together on Sunday mornings. So we have a Sunday service every week in the student center, but a big Sunday that's coming up for us is August 15th. It is our launch Sunday, and it not only marks the beginning of a new school year, but it kicks off our mission and vision series. So we would love to have your son or daughter come and worship with us. We have seventh and eighth graders at our 9.30 service and then ninth through 12th graders worship at 11 o'clock. Um, and another way that your student can get connected is through cell groups. Our groups, much like community, meet all across Northwest Arkansas and are just an incredible way for your student to connect with other kids in their town, their grade, and their gender. So if you have a student that you would like to sign up for a cell group, you can scan this QR code or you can pick up an FSM pamphlet in the foyer. We would love to see your students at cell group. They kick off on August 18th, so be sure to sign up for that. And finally, we wouldn't be a true student ministry if we didn't have a lot of fun. So if you're the parent of an 11th or 12th grader, John's got a daughter who's gonna be here, we have our fall retreat coming up September 4th through 6th. So put that on your calendar, remember those dates. It is such a fun weekend. We uh, have community, we have worship, they get to learn and grow and honestly just laugh together. And I think that's what a lot of us need after this last year. So look out for more information. Signups will start soon. But if you just wanna stay connected with FSM, you can download our app in the App Store. It's FSM NWA, just search that, you'll find it. And when you download that, it connects you to cell group curriculum, our calendar for the year, we have parent resources, and you'll be able to listen to FSM sermons there. And you can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is fsm.rogers, and you'll get information there. You'll see updates about upcoming events, links to signups, and pictures of your kids. So follow us along. Thanks, Abby. <clears throat> Many of you may have seen more folks wearing these this week, and especially today. And we're asking that, uh, or maybe you saw the note from the elders, and we're asking you to prayerfully consider just wearing a mask uh, during the service, just to keep folks around you safe and, and to keep you safe, hopefully just for the next few weeks, um, but ask you to consider that. As we start off our service this morning, as you hear that update, or as you hear words like variant or mask or surge, how does that make you feel? And for some people, that might cause anxiety. For me, you may, not, you may or may not realize this, but I was a germaphobe before germaphobes were cool, um, back before pre-COVID. And it, it causes anxiety. And for some, uh, th those words may cause anger and frustration. And then for some who've suffered loss, they would cause grief. But as we approach the throne this morning, and as we're about to sing the song we're about to sing, the writer poses this question. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? I'll ask you that question, fellowship. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. That's right. No one and nothing. And we will worship to that end this morning. Would you join me as I pray to start off our service? Lord, we're so grateful we get to gather. We're so grateful that no one or nothing can stop you. And Lord, we come today to worship you we're grateful for that. We're grateful for your Holy Spirit and we're grateful for your Holy Word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen, church. Well, would you stand and worship with us this morning as we celebrate a God who is here with us now?
This morning, I wanna point our attention to Colossians chapter three, one of my favorite passages in scripture. It's all about who God calls us to be. This is what it says. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. You might be feeling the weight of the world this morning, the weight of not measuring up. And this is something that I've actually been processing myself through the last month or so. And there's a question that I've been asking myself, and this is what it is, is who has Christ called you to be today? Who has Christ called you to be today? I'm so glad it's not my financial situation. I'm so glad it's not the clothes that I wear or the car that I drive. I'm found in Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you search throughout scripture, there's so many beautiful passages where God tells you who you are. Because the world's telling you over and over again who they think that you are. They're telling you over and over again who they think that you are. And Christ says, no, this is who you are. So I wanna pose this question this morning and just give you some time to think, give you some space to ask the Spirit to reveal to you who Christ has called you to be today. And we're gonna sing this song called I Belong to Christ that we actually wrote in-house here with some of our worship team. And it sings about simple truths about who we are in Christ. So if you're looking and searching, feel free to open your Bible, feel free to open your phone and look up verses about who Christ has called us to be or just listen to these words. We'll sing this morning. Every day, but I've been. 
into his kingdom in it riches untold with value that's given and victory written I belong to Christ Fellowship Bible Church. We exist to glorify God as we passionately follow our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are a community of believers led by the Spirit and under the authority of God. We are better together. We grow together. As individuals, we strive to mature in our love for both God and people. As a church, we seek to grow in our health and our reach. We learn together. We study God's word so that we can know Jesus intimately and follow him obediently. We worship together. We meet each week shoulder to shoulder to worship the Lord, and then we scatter across Northwest Arkansas to live our lives worthy of his name. We gather together. We come together face to face in small groups where we create a space to know the Lord and be known by others. We serve together. Arm in arm, we use our gifts and resources to make a difference locally and globally. We are on mission to love people well. We believe all people matter to God, are created in His image, and are worthy of service. We are Fellowship Bible Church. Together, we release spiritual leaders who express the authentic Christ where we live, work, and play. And our hope and prayer is that we would change the heart and soul of Northwest Arkansas and the world. We were the leaders. I had just started at church here, so it's a number of years ago. So I was supposedly a small groups expert because I think my I think my title was small groups pastor. And we had this community group that we had in our home. And for those of you that are new to fellowship or maybe you're tuning in online, our community groups are basically just a small group. It's our largest expression um, here at fellowship. O- oftentimes it's men and women together meeting in homes, studying the scriptures. And, and so it, it, it was not good. It was a, a group of people that was eclectic. Uh, they all, we all knew Sherry and I, but they didn't know each other. And so we'd invited all these people together. And you know, in hindsight, I could make a list of things I would do different now and have done different in groups after that. But for some reason, this group did not gel. It did not click, and it was not fun. And so by the time we reached May or June of the, the following year, we decided as a group not to go on, not to continue through the summer. And I think as I closed that, that, that living room door for the last, our front door for the last time, we were all relieved. And it was interesting because after that time, I kind of lost my confidence. I thought, man, I'm a really good small group leader, and it just didn't go well that time. And so I started asking the Lord, Lord, what's going on with this? Like, what, what, what was that? What happened there? And the Lord didn't answer until about a year or two later. I was having lunch with a, a, couple, a guy in the group, and we were talking about that group and how it was eclectic, and we were kind of having fun and laughing. And then he said, but I'll, I'll tell you this. If it wasn't for that community group, my wife and I wouldn't be married today. I'm like, what? And he, he started to share that they were new to the area. My wife had met his wife at the park and invited them to the group. They started going to fellowship, eventually ended up in a good community group. But, but, but he, he was talking about our group, and he said, man, we were at a tough place. I had lost my previous job. I was, we were here in northwest Arkansas. I was under a lot of pressure in my new job. And he said, we were not in a good place in our marriage. And if it wasn't for that group, we wouldn't have made it. 
Then it's about another year later, I'm sitting at lunch, hearing a guy share his spiritual story. And he's sharing about how he came to Christ. And he said, actually, it was in his community group, that same group. And so afterwards, I'm like, dude, what? You never told me you came to Christ in our community group. He's like, well, I didn't really know. We were studying through probably the book of Ephesians or something like that. I can't remember. And he said, you know, it just it started to become clear over time. And he goes, I didn't know how to articulate it. He had come to faith in Christ in our living room. You see, even in our worst attempts, when, it, when you gather a group of people together, whether it's big or whether it's small, and you open up the scriptures, the Holy Spirit moves and God changes lives. And that's why we're starting our new series today called Come Together, that we believe it's important for we as a church to come together. And together, we are gonna look at the scriptures for the month of August and we're going to see what the scriptures and what the Lord says about the church. We're actually going to press the pause button. We're stepping away from our typical series of, of going through a book of the Bible. We'll jump back in in September. And we're going to look and see, and we're going to try to answer two questions. Who are we as a church, and where are we headed? Who are we as Fellowship Bible Church of Rogers, and, and where are we headed as a church? And here's what I think you're going to find. We will be reminded as a church, we are committed to things like growing in Christ together. That's our topic for today. Learning together from the scriptures, worshiping together shoulder to shoulder, which as you may have heard earlier, it might look a little different for a little while, hopefully not long, but we may look just a little bit different for just a little while. And we're also committed to gathering face to face. And you might need to get creative with that too, that maybe it'll look a little bit different. Maybe you'll have to move to the back porch again. Maybe be ready to sweat a little bit, right? Maybe instead of face-to-face -face for just a little while, maybe it's Zoom to Zoom, who knows? But do whatever you have to do to gather together, even during this hard time. We'll find that we're committed to this thing called making disciples together, or at Fellowship, our lingo we use is produce spiritual leaders who, who know and can express the authentic Christ, and then we release them to minister in their area of giftedness and passion together. Here's our big idea for this morning. Healthy churches and healthy followers of Jesus grow. Healthy churches grow in size, in generosity, and in influence, and in leadership, and healthy followers of Jesus grow in things like grace, and knowledge, and maturity, and skill, and holiness, and at fellowship as a church body, we really never focus on growth, or at least physical growth. We, we focus on things like spiritual growth or spiritual depth. We want to see our people grow towards maturity. And this idea of growth is really, you see it all over our world today. You see it in humanity. You see it in horticulture. You see it in organizations. Think about it this way. I, I plant a garden. Most years I plant a garden. I'm not a very good gardener. Um, hopefully I'm a better small group leader than a gardener, but uh, I'm not a very good gardener, but I buy the little plants or I get seeds and I plant them. And then with a little bit of water and some, some good soil and some fertilizer, what happens over 60, 70, 80 days, about the July 4th every year, there's a fruit. You see healthy things grow and, and eventually healthy things produce fruit. Or, or think about this. So you, you had a baby and you go to the doctor. What's the first thing they do? They weigh your baby, don't they? They measure the length of your baby, but see if because healthy things grow. I still remember, it's been a number of years ago now, but our son was playing on a soccer team and the team was going to Dallas to play in a tournament. And we had not bought new soccer shoes for the year and he kind of wanted these fancy shoes and so we were saving up the money to get him and we hadn't got him and so he had to wear last season's cleats and I knew they were gonna be too small, but... I was like, ah, you'll be okay. Just go play the tournament. And he went with another family and he played all week and he came home and he said, man, dad, I didn't play very good. My, my feet hurt the whole time. I'm like, well, I knew your shoes were too small. Let's go buy some at the store. And so at that time he was wearing an eight and a half. And so I told the guy, I said, let's try it on a nine and a half. And we tried it on, it's too small. And then we tried on a 10, too small. 10 and a half, still kind of too small. We end up buying a size 11. He goes from a size eight and a half to a size 11. You see, healthy things grow, even teenagers. Yeah, I, not only am I a poor community group leader, I'm a poor parent too. 
As a church, now more than ever, we need to be committed to gathering together and to be the church. And one of the main components we see for growth in the New Testament is this idea of togetherness. You know, the book of Acts is where the church starts, and it gives us a great picture of the New Testament church. And the first couple of chapters, I believe, are some of the most fascinating in the whole New Testament. It starts off with Jesus after his resurrection, before his ascension. He's telling the disciples, stay right here in Jerusalem and wait for the coming Holy Spirit. And that's where we'll pick up the story this morning. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And it says this, so when they had come together. Hey, every time you see the word together this morning, we're going to say it together, okay? So when they had come together. They asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So they ask him this question. You know, Jesus has come back to life. They're, they're like, okay, it's time for us to reign. And Jesus says, hey, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that my father has fixed by his own authority. But then he says this. He gives them a promise. But you people, you church you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses right here in the city and all around the countryside and to the very ends of the earth because this thing called the church is gonna be born. And then Jesus ascended into heaven and his disciples returned to Jerusalem just like he told them to. And they went to, back to that upper room and let's see what they were doing. Look at verse 14. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together. Yeah. They, they'd gone back to Jerusalem. They were in the upper room, and they were waiting, and they were unified, and they were in prayer together. Just a side note here. The, how many of you own a Honda Accord? It's a really holy car. I don't know if you know that or not, but if you look here in the scriptures, it's the only automobile listed in the scriptures that says they were all in one accord. Can you believe that? That's a dad joke. Sorry. I should have brought my mug. But they were together. Look at verse two, verse one and two of Acts chapter two. So we turn the pages to Acts chapter two, this, this thing called the church is coming. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all in one place. They were doing just as they were supposed to do. And suddenly there came from heaven this mighty rushing wind. It filled the whole house. And then a couple verses later, you would see in verse 4, and the, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then for the rest of, the, of Acts chapter 2, it's, it's so incredible to see how this, this group of believers who are becoming the church, how they live life together. And we would look at that. That's actually a sermon for another Sunday in this series. But we're going to skip down to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. We pick up the very end of that when it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, implied together, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So what did the early church focus on? Well, what we've seen, they're, they're studying the scriptures together. They're being taught the word of God together. They're spending time eating meals together, having all kinds of fun and fellowship together, observing the Lord's Supper together, and spending time in prayer together. You see, there's something about this togetherness that God's growing them up in their faith and growing up this new thing called the church. And let's look at the result. They received their food with glad and generous hearts and praising God and having favor with all the people. Think about that growth. Right there, just what he listed. They received their food with glad and generous hearts. The result was joy and generosity. And they were praising God that they were all, they were all in unity, having favor together. And the result of all this togetherness was spiritual growth. And if we were able to see the passage just preceding this, you'd see there's this sense of awe all around them. And those who had things were, and those who had resources were sharing their resources with those in need. It was just this, this thing going on over and over. And it reminds me of something I experienced earlier this summer. I had the opportunity to go out and visit um, Ray and Elizabeth Evans' home, or what was their home. Their home burned down earlier this year. They had a beautiful view of the lake. 
this beautiful view of the lake. And their home burned down. It's a pretty traumatic thing. They lost everything. And in Ray's words, he said, I've always been the one with things helping out other people. I've never been in need like that. And, and all of a sudden, they found themselves, and they had nothing. And people just started ministering to them and sharing with them. And, and so they got a group of people together at their home, and they're going to rebuild on the foundation. And Sherry and I showed up, and we came by boat. So we parked at their dock, and we were, as we were walking up the hill, I'm like, I'm not sure which house is theirs. It came, became pretty clear pretty quick. It's the one that wasn't there. It was just a foundation. And it was a little bit surreal as I walked up, and you could just see the foundation. But then I looked over to the side, and there were all these people. It was their community group and their neighbors and their friends, and they invited it over to, to write verses on the foundation wall before they rebuilt it was really ministering to me about how they shared about how everyone had ministered to them. There was even a guy there that had like five fishing poles. And he's like, here you go. I mean, and, and Ray's just said, you know, we don't have anything. We're having to buy things again. And, and their, their neighborhood ministered to them. Their, their community group ministered to them. Their friends ministered to them. Matter of fact, one of their neighbors who wasn't using their home at the time just said, hey, move into our house for a while. See, that reminds me of the New Testament church just taking care of one another together. You focus on the depth and the unity. The Lord takes care of the breadth of your ministry. Not only was there spiritual growth within this body of believers, look at the end of verse 47. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, now put the day by day part aside for a minute. That's pretty amazing in and of itself. And just look at the first part. And the Lord added to their number. Who took care of the growth? Yeah, God did. God took care of the growth. And that's really how we try to focus here at Fellowship. Sometimes it's a little bit hard, but, but we, we try to focus on spiritual health. We try to focus on spiritual depth, and we ask the Lord to take care of the breadth, and he always has. And you may say, hey, yeah, not every church is going to grow to be a mega church. Not every church has to grow to be a mega church. And it doesn't mean your church is more spiritual if it grows bigger. That, that's not the indicator. It's one indicator of health. And I'll tell you this there's a lot of organizations and a lot of churches out there that probably have grown a lot that aren't very healthy. But oftentimes it is a good indicator of health. Healthy things grow especially as they effectively reach the community. And, and here's the other thing is healthy churches or healthy organizations tend to birth other organizations. And we don't do this very often. We don't talk about it very often, but I was just gonna want to brag on our church a little bit. And I, I don't really have a lot to do with this, so I can brag on it without getting prideful. But you think about over the, over the years that fellowships existed, we've planted or helped plant or helped start many different congregations and churches. Think about Mosaic out of this congregation started. It's this healthy congregation that meets here on Saturday nights. It's a part of us. The Grove Church, do you remember the Grove Church? Started right here in this building, met on Sunday nights for years. My wife was their first children's director. She worked every Sunday night for a while. And then they decided to meet on Sunday mornings and they moved down to Fayetteville. Now it's this healthy, well-led church. Celebrate Recovery that meets on Friday nights. Many of you are involved. It's, it's, a health, it's, a, it's an own healthy body of believers. The Samaritan churches, Samaritan fellowship churches, you may or may not realize this, but they're at the Samaritan Community Center in Rogers, at the Samaritan Community Center in Springdale, there are churches at both those locations called Samaritan Fellowship. And this church has helped start those churches and resource those churches in addition to the, the Samaritan centers over the years. We love partnering with them to reach the underserved in the area, so much so that as they've had a leadership change, we've, we're sending two of our staff there off the Mosaic team. Scott Page is going to be the lead Samaritan Fellowship in Rogers. Matt Newman's going to lead Samaritan Fellowship in Springdale. We're committed to serving and partnering with those churches. Then you might have heard about this little church called Fellowship Fayetteville. Have you heard about that? It's one of our, our congregation, part of our congregation, and it's, it's launched out of this body of believers. And instead of building a bigger facility here, they said, hey, let's, let's do something down there. And, and they're blossoming and growing. Talking to Chip Jackson this week, and uh, he was on his way back from one of these small groups where he meets with pastors from around the nation. And I asked him, I said, hey, how many, how many people are you partnering with right now? He said, right now, they have active partnerships with, with 100 churches and organizations. Isn't that amazing? And he's showing them how we plan. He's showing them things that he's learned in his years of pastoring. 
And we currently have 92 global workers we support. Healthy things, healthy churches, healthy organizations, they bear fruit. And not only that, they, they multiply and they grow. But there's some things going on in our culture right now that, that hinder that growth. And, and you may be familiar with this, you may not, but there's kind of a general distrust of organizations. Have you noticed that? And oftentimes, the larger the organization, the more distrust. And I think, I think we've actually caused that ourselves because we'll, an organization will grow, a church will grow, a leader, this dynamic leader will lead, and then what happens? Something goes wrong, doesn't it? And so there's this kind of distrust of churches and organizations. And one of the things you can be confident in at Fellowship, and I really appreciate, is our team style of ministry. And it's not just a, something we give lip service to. We're a team ministry. It starts with the elders. They're a team. And they make decisions. And then every one of us at Fellowship are on a team. I'm on the adult ministry community team. Uh, Kyle's on the worship team. Abby, who was out here earlier, she said, I'm on the, the FSM, the Fellowship Student Ministry team. We're all on a team. There's a team leader of each team. But here's what's really cool. This morning, I work for Kyle, that young guy. Now, just, to, just till 12, but I work for him because he's the worship leader. He's planning this service. Now, the text, the text always drives how our planning, but he ultimately makes the final call because he's the worship leader. Now, think about this. What if Mickey were up here teaching this morning? Who'd be in charge? I'll let you answer that. <laughs> Another thing that's a challenge or hindering uh, churches to grow. It, it's, there's a movement today from this, this idea of covenant membership in churches. That, man, I'm, this is my church. I'm committed to it. There's this movement to this consumer mentality. Have you noticed that? Man, I'm going to go to the church that has the best coffee, has the best temperature, has the best music, has their preacher has the best shoes. I just got some new shoes for you. I'm serious. It's a movement from covenant membership to a consumer mindset, and it's really hard on churches. It's a movement from, from the participant, I've got to show up because I'm on the team, and if I don't show up, it, this might not happen today, to this, this, men, this mentality of a spectator. I may or may not go. Depends on who's talking, who's leading, who's doing this or that, who's going to be there. It's a challenge for organizations. It's a challenge for churches. And then the third thing that's hindering church growth spiritual growth and physical growth is, is this idea of an unwillingness to love those who are different, those who have different views. And Sam talked a lot about this last week in the message. I encourage you to listen to it if you didn't get a chance to listen to it. But just, and it was an encouragement to love even when you disagree. And that's what the church needs to do. In addition to healthy uh, churches grow, we see that also that healthy followers of Christ should also grow. We're going to use Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7 for our text for that, and that's how we'll wrap up today. And if you look with me at Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, it says this, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So point number one there is, as you received Christ... So you should live, or so you should walk. I love the way the NIV says it. It uses the word live your life, or live like Christ. How did you receive Christ as Lord? He's saying here, okay, so you should live your life as you received Christ. So think about that for a minute. How did you receive Christ? Have you received Christ? Well, hopefully, you live by the words of Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. If you've come to faith in Christ, you realize it is by grace through faith. And it's what? It's a, it's a gift. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's a gift. How do you get a gift? You just receive it. And so he, what he's saying here is he said, in the same way you received Christ, you also need to live in him or walk in him. Now, I will say this. It's a little bit different because walking is still by grace through faith, but, there's, but, but salvation is positional. You either are saved or you're not saved. And in a room this size, there's probably both. 
If, if God's, if God's beginning to prick your heart and you're interested in this thing called salvation, you're interested in being a child of God or receiving Jesus as Lord, we'd love to process that with you. We can do that in a couple ways. Come up here after the service or grab your neighbor sitting next to you or come to the prayer room. Stop by the booth in the foyer. We'd love to process that with you. No pressure, but we'd love to process it, what it means to have a relationship with Christ. Have you received Christ? Think back to your life change. How did you receive Christ? So in addition to living as you receive Christ, you should also grow in him. He said your growth should be like your birth. You should, your walk should continue as it commenced. Paul's hinting back at, the, at, at verse 10 of chapter 1 here, and listen to this. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Wait a minute. I thought you said, just like salvation, that the sanctification thing is, is by grace through faith. It is, but there, it requires a little effort. This sanctification is a process. Salvation is a position. You either are saved or you're not saved. Now, there's an, there's an already part that, that you have this, this promise of eternal life in heaven. You have a promise of a, a life on earth with, with Jesus, but, but, but it's positional. You either are saved or you're not saved. And, and the sanctification process, it's a process. And it does take some effort. Paul even calls it every good work here. But sometimes you got to get up early, don't you? Sometimes you got to read your Bible even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you got to show up for that group even when you don't want to. We led a community group in our neighborhood. It was actually a good group, by the way. But we led a community group in our neighborhood for a couple of years. We didn't drive to community group for two years. It was awesome. Um, we had folks from different churches. We had folks that didn't go to church, and we just did community group together. It was a little messy, you know. People don't understand how community group works. They may not. They didn't show up as often as much, but it was really fun. But I remember one Sunday afternoon in the fall, um, football was on, and my two teams happened to be playing, and it was kind of like one right after the other. And so it was a long afternoon of football, and I was supposed to be preparing my community group lesson because I was leading, but I was having trouble focusing on my lesson because football was on. And as the time grew on, I was trying to think of a way I could get out of going to group. I didn't feel like it. And, and, and I wasn't preparing like I should. And if I wouldn't have been leading, I probably would have tried to figure out a way. But I showed up to group that night. And as I was leading the group, a lady in our group shared a word from the Lord. She actually shared a scripture. And that scripture was for me. It, I tell you, it was like the Lord was speaking to me. And you see, I think... The enemy didn't want me there. He didn't want me to hear what he was revealing to her through her study. And I think that's the importance of showing up. Because not only if you're supposed to bring the sketty, there wouldn't be any sketty, but you gotta show up. And sometimes you gotta get up. And sometimes you gotta sign up and you gotta follow through. And that's what we're that's what you're encouraging to we're encouraging you to do. So just like you uh, uh, live in him as you receive Christ, you also were rooted to be built up. He says, rooted and built up in him. This idea of rooted is kind of a fixed thing. It, it, the, the way the tense is for that, for that word, it's kind of like it's, you're rooted. It's kind of almost a one-time rooting. What's your foundation? What are you rooted to? And he says, as you were rooted, be built up. Just like that, do this by grace through faith. But it takes some effort. Salvation is positional. Sanctification is a process of spiritual maturity. It's a long obedience in the same direction. Sometimes it's two or three steps forward and one step back. You know, what if the Evans family that had the, fam the, the house burned down overlooking Beaver Lake, what if they never rebuilt? What if they invited us to come and write verses on their foundation wall again next year? And you're like, okay, I guess they haven't got it rebuilt yet. Okay, we'll write some more verses. And then, and then the next year they invite, hey, come out. We're having so much fun with this. Come out and let's write some verses on the wall. And are you not going to rebuild? No, we kind of like it here just in the foundation. We kind of like putting our lawn chairs out on the driveway. It doesn't make sense, does it? You see, that's what a Christian like who never builds on the foundation of Christ you're, you're, it seems silly that you never grow up. You never grow to maturity. You're the spiritual infant, and you never grow towards maturity, and it almost seems silly. And what Paul's saying here is don't be that. 
grow towards maturity. As you received, so you should live. As you were rooted, so be built up. And then the third thing there. As you were taught, be established in truth. He says, established in the faith, just as you were taught. This, it's, it's in the faith. It's, it's this idea of, we, they all knew what the faith was. The faith was in Jesus. The faith was studying the scriptures. And so he says here, be established in the truth. So you say, well, how do I do that? You need people. We need each other. I want to show you a video of a group of men who are doing this really well, and I hope it'll be encouraging to you as it has been to me. Watch this. This group brings you in, it connects you, and there's a level of vulnerability that over time develops. It has been perhaps one of the most marked spiritual processes I've been involved in. For every man, this is a critical part of your, your spiritual walk. I've watched the group grow, expand, split. Through those splits, new members have come in and men need men. It's just important to me that men have other men to talk to because we tend to bury things. The degree of transparency, the degree of connection, the, the degree of camaraderie, fellowship that, that we found there, that I found there, was remarkable and has been, has been such an encouragement to me in so many ways. And to know that there's a group of men, any one of whom that I could reach out to at any time, that I needed something or that I knew they would reach out to me if there was a need. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a real remarkable change just in my spiritual life. Right now we've got 14 guys. To see these guys come, they have a need. That need is to know Jesus better, to be better men, to be better husbands, to be better fathers, to be better grandfathers. And that's what these men's groups do for not only me, I believe for the other guys too. It has also allowed me to validate some things and it has allowed me to study things I likely would not have I have looked at on my own. You develop relationships, some are closer than others, but none I would hesitate to bring any issue to. And that's been real comforting to me in my life. Being to have people who can mentor you and talk to you and uh, have a deep spiritual knowledge was just critical to help me try and grow. And uh, it's been great to uh, kind of grow through the different stages of life with them as well. So uh, it was just really, it's been an amazing experience for me. You could be quiet if you needed to be quiet. You could listen. You could watch other people in the interaction. You could watch other people sharing. You could watch other people hurting. And it normalized the fact that life is real. And it lets you then drop a lot of the facade. And it lets us actually achieve a degree of, I think, safety in that group, but yet encouragement to really be honest, that I had never experienced before. We overflowed this large table that we had upstairs, and it was wonderful, but we couldn't hear each other, literally from the end of the table. And we realized there was not, it wasn't comfortable to invite more people in. There wasn't really space to involve them and people would kind of sometimes get lost in the conversation. So we knew it was inevitable that we needed to make room for more people to see and join what we had. When the group decided to split, it, it was a really difficult decision because you had made some great friends and you knew you weren't gonna see them on a consistent basis, but it was the right thing to do. You know, we needed to do that and we needed to step outside and say, okay, it's up to us. Everybody needs to invite someone new into the group and grow, and our group has grown because of that. If we want to be that light to the world, and if we want to go out and bring other people and encourage other people, we have to make those hard choices and divide the group and, and, and encourage more people to come in. I think without the men's group, where not only did I, did I look forward to our, our meetings on Tuesday morning, but I look forward to encountering those guys in the community seeing them out and about. I look forward to doing things with them. I, we had meals together, we got families together. 
I think that pulled me in and really made me feel this is more of a, of a family situation. I'm actually involved at a level where we have relationship. Uh, I have people that I know care about me. And I'm not sure I would have, on my own, plugged in at that level without the encouragement of the men's group. Well, I think men have a bad tendency to be loners. And I think that's bad for us to do that. And so, first of all, I think you deal with that isolation by becoming involved with the group. I think if you're honest within the group, that God leads you deeper. And I think that's part of that dynamic of feeding off of each other in, in the group. People always talk about, can I be a, a Christian, can I be alone and be a Christian and not go to church, not be involved in Bible studies? And, and you can, but you, you really can't grow in your faith. Um, being a um, being a Christian is not a singular thing. You need community. You need accountability. You need you need people in your life that challenge you, and that's that's what the Bible study does for us. Followers of Jesus grow. Healthy groups grow. Healthy churches grow. Though those guys, there's a saying: um, "You ain't no spring chicken." I think I can say this because I'm close to them, but those guys aren't spring chickens. They're not youngsters, but they're still growing in the relationship with Christ. And I think that should say something to the rest of us, especially if you're younger, you're quite a bit younger. We've got men's groups. We've got women's groups. We've got celebrate recovery groups. We've got community groups. We've got marriage groups. We've got all kinds of groups. We've got groups for grief. We've got groups for parents of grand, or grandparents of their grandkids or something like that. We've got groups... <laughs> We've got groups for singles. We've got groups for young professionals. We've got, we've got all kinds of groups. We'll get you plugged into a group. You need people where you can be face to face. And lastly there, he gives us the secret sauce, abounding in thanksgiving. You know, a year that we've had, a year and a half of, of a pandemic, that's a good word. That's the secret sauce for survival for the abundant Christian life. Can you learn to be thankful no matter what's going on? I'm telling you, it sounds so simple and elementary, but why do we struggle so much to be grateful? You know, one thing Sherry and I do in the evenings is a lot of times we'll take walks around the neighborhood. Sometimes it's just to get away from our kids. Um, and if you've got young kids, you'll get to the place where you can leave for a few minutes and but we go and we start, and sometimes we're just complaining to one another. And then invariably, one of us will go, hey, let's just say what we're thankful for. And we'll just go back and forth. And then it becomes this time of prayer. Sometimes we even have to just apologize for what we said earlier to one another. Because there's, there's this heart of thankfulness. Nothing's changed in our circumstances, but we've become more thankful. And if you can figure that out, it will change your outlook on life, even if your circumstances don't change. And we've got a great uh, metric or a way to measure um, where you're at on your spiritual maturity. It's called the spiritual growth wheel. Um, it, it starts up there, that, 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 that uh, purple part, and it's, 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 you become born again. And some of you, you need to take that step of faith. You need to step into the family of God. You need to receive Christ, and we would love to help you do that. And if you do that, you become a spiritual infant. And spiritual infants are characterized that you don't know what you don't know. And it's okay. We would love to help you. We've got all kinds of classes and groups and things. We're going to throw a lot at you this month of, of opportunity to get involved. And I just encourage you, step into something. And then the next step is spiritual child. And a lot of people in our church are there. You're just a spiritual child. You're focused on self. How can I grow? I want to learn this. I want to do that. And if you continue to grow, you move to a spiritual young adulthood. And a spiritual young adult is focused on others. They're great servants in the church. They're, they're the folks that go on mission trips. You're the folks that, that show up when you need someone to show up, and we're so grateful for you. But then there's this fourth quadrant, and this is where we'd love for people to get to. It's called spiritual parenthood. And you see, to be a spiritual parent, you have to have spiritual children. You've got to take the time to, to pour into somebody else and help them grow up. It's just like being a parent, and it's not easy. And, and typically, you've got to have a spiritual parent pouring into you to kind of continue in that because it's hard. It's not positional. It's a process. 
And so we would love to push you towards spiritual parenthood. We'd love for everyone here to be, to be making disciples of Jesus Christ because that's the Great Commission. We want to be a Great Commission church who's also a Great Commandment church, and we love people well. So you may say, how do I do this at Fellowship? I've given you a little bit of a hint to it, but it's really simple. You do it shoulder to shoulder in worship. Just be a part of church. We recognize it's a little bit different right now, but hopefully this too will end soon and we'll be, we'll be back shoulder to shoulder in worship. Your children are shoulder to shoulder in worship. Face to face in small group. Make sure you're in a group or two and you're connecting. Make sure you're in a discipleship relationship. And then third, arm in arm in service. It seems like those who serve both in the church and in the community are the ones that grow the most spiritually. I don't know, there's just something to it. And I'll give you this last challenge before I close. You're going to be hearing more about this, this First Timothy series we've got coming. It's not only a sermon series. You also got the journal. It's also a Bible study and community group study. And I just encourage you to jump into it. We're going to be selling those in the next couple of weeks out in the foyer. You can download it for free off the Internet. But it's going to be a great opportunity. And you, Maybe if you've never studied the Bible before, you could learn these inductive techniques. It'll take you deep. You'll hear about it in the next couple of weeks, but I encourage you, step in with us. Study it in your own personal time. Uh, come to church and hear it taught. Join a group. Study it together. Would you join me as I pray for us? Lord, we're so grateful that we get the opportunity to grow closer to you, to grow towards spiritual maturity. And Lord, I know you're not so concerned about where we're at on that, that chart. You're not concerned whether we're a spiritual infant or a spiritual parent. You just want us headed in the right direction. And Lord, would you lay it on our hearts today of what we need to do to grow closer to you and, and to help someone else grow closer to you. Lord, would you move in our hearts as we respond in song?
to leave, I want to read this benediction over you. It's from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Fellowship, if you need prayer this morning, we have the parishes over in our prayer room. We'll see you next week. Go in peace.